Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Won't you pray with me for just a moment, please? Lord God, it is good to talk about things that matter with people who care, and we are here today because life matters and we care, and we want to be a reflection in this life of your goodness and glory. And so as we open our hearts and minds to your word, may your Holy Spirit do a good work through your word to touch us, to encourage us, to inspire us, to remind us of who we are and why it matters. And may we be therefore equipped to go out and live as your people now and always in the name of Christ our Savior and all God's people said, Amen. Harvard psychologist Daniel Gilbert points out that one of the things that makes human beings unique among all the animals in the world, is we have the ability to think about the future. We can anticipate the future, we can plan for the future, we can dream about the future. In fact, according to research, most of us spend about two hours of every waking day focused on the future. That's unique. Other animals can't think about the future. Your dog didn't wake up this morning and say, i got to pay attention to my retirement plan. That didn't happen. But you and I have this ability to think off into the future, which can be a wonderful blessing. It allows us to focus on important things so we can do great things. But there's a downside to being able to think about the future, and Dr. Gilbert points that out as well. The downside is that the future is still uncertain. We can try to plan for it and prepare for it, but we have to acknowledge that we don't know what the future will bring. Go back to September 10th, one day before the attacks. Nobody really would anticipate that kind of future. The future is uncertain and it 
can be quite intimidating. And because we live in this reality where we can think about the future, but we have to acknowledge that the future is uncertain, that creates an environment where worry can take root and grow. And worry is an easy habit to slip into. Truth is, we've all experienced worry. Most of us worry some of the time. Some of us worry most of the time. And worry is more than just a bad habit. Worry is a toxic and dysfunctional way of approaching the reality of an uncertain future. Worry affects us in body, mind, and soul. Worry causes you not to sleep well. Worry causes you to age more quickly. Worry causes you to get sick sometimes as it, as it affects and compromises your immune system. Worry can be debilitating at times. Worry can rob us of the joy and the peace and the contentment and the goodness that God wants to pour into our lives But worry is a common human experience. In fact, some of you right now are worried about how much you worry. Right? That's the way it is. Dr. Robert Leahy has done uh, vast amounts of research on worry and anxiety in American life. And he argues that Americans today worry more than any previous generation of Americans. And the demographic group that is affected most by worry today, children under the age of 18. Dr. Leahy argues that parents are kind of modeling worry for their children and raising anxious children. In fact, Dr. Leahy goes so far as to say that America has become a nation of worry warts and nervous wrecks. So how do we overcome worry? Because we all face it. We all have to deal with it. The real question is, will we overcome worry or will, will we allow worry to overcome us? Will we learn to defeat worry or will we be defeated by worry. That's the question we're going to talk about today. I'm glad you're here. I believe I've got a message from the Lord that can help you and help me as we try to live our lives the way God calls us to in a world where the future is uncertain and we're tempted to give in to fear and worry. So welcome back to a series that we started several weeks ago on Jesus. We're studying the life and the teachings of Jesus, who he is, what he did and why that matters. Because if Jesus really was the Son of the living God, if what He did is a reflection of God's intention, and if what He taught was God's truth, then it's very important for us to listen and learn from Jesus and put our faith and trust in Him. And so we're doing that in this series. We're, we're taking a close look at Jesus. And so far we've looked at some of the stories He's told. We just finished up looking at some of the miracles he performed. And today we're starting a new season in our study of Jesus. We're going to look at the questions Jesus asked. Like any great teacher, Jesus knew the power of good questions. Jesus used questions to get people to think about how they think about the issues of life. When Jesus asked a question, it was to get at people's assumptions and presumptions and attitudes and philosophies and how they approach life. To get them to examine and reflect upon that to see if they were living a life that was in line with what God says is is true. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to look at some of the questions Jesus asked. And this morning, we're going to look at a particular question Jesus asked about worry. So if you brought your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew's Gospel. That's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew's Gospel. We're in chapter 6 this morning. We encourage you to bring a Bible if you'd like and follow along. But we're in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at uh, verse 
25. This is the middle of a section in Matthew's Gospel known as the Sermon on the Mount. Most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. Jesus climbed up to a a hillside. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus climbed up on a grassy hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I've been to the location of the Sermon on the Mount. It forms a perfect amphitheater where people can gather at the bottom and Jesus could could teach them and, and be heard. Uh, and so that's that's the setting of this teaching on worry. Jesus is dealing with a lot of different issues, but he gets to worry. And in verse 25, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? Isn't the body more than just clothes? And then he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest, yet your father takes care of them. And then he goes on to say, look at the lilies of the field. They grow up and they die in the afternoon heat and they're thrown into the fire. And yet your father clothes them. In fact, they're they're more beautiful than Solomon in all of his splendor. And then in the middle of it, Jesus asks this provocative question. He says, can any of you, by worrying, add even one hour to your life? Can any of you, by worrying, add even just one hour to your life? And of course, the answer is... No. Jesus wants us to understand that worry gives us no real benefit. In fact, worry doesn't add to our life. It only detracts. It robs us of joy and contentment. It it causes us to miss out on the flow of God's grace and goodness into our lives, into our circumstances. I like the way Corey Tenboom put it. She says, worry doesn't relieve tomorrow of its trouble. It just robs today of its strength. The fact is, Jesus wants you and I to understand that worry, again, is not just a bad habit. It's a dysfunctional, toxic response to the circumstances and challenges of life as we look into an unknown future. And so as we consider the dangers of worry, let's get clear about what worry is and what worry is not. If Jesus tells us not to worry, let's be clear about what worry is and what it is not. Because there's some confusion around that. So, first of all, remember... Worry is not the same thing as having an anxiety disorder. There is a real physical, psychological condition known as generalized anxiety disorder, which affects about 6.3 million people in America today. And and folks who have this condition, their amygdala, the, the, the portion of the brain that interprets reality and send signals to the body about how to respond to reality. Their amygdala is, is not processing information correctly, and they interpret things that really shouldn't be frightening or, or startling. They interpret them in ways that causes the body to overreact. And uh, stress hormones go through the bloodstream, norepinephrine and, and cortisol, and, and, and what happens is you, you, your heart starts to palpate, you break out in a sweat, you have what they call panic attacks, Friends, this is not a this is not a sign that you're a weak person. It's a sign that you have a condition that needs attention. And there are people under well-managed care from physicians and mental health professionals who try to deal with this. This is not what we're talking about when we're talking about worry. At the same time, when we talk about worry, we're not talking about being concerned about something. You see, you can be concerned about something but not worry about it. Isn't that true? I mean, you you can be concerned about your kid's health. You can be concerned about your dog's fleas. You can be concerned about your your mother's aging mind. You could be concerned about the leak in your basement. 
You could be concerned about the future of your country. There are lots of things we can be concerned about, and being concerned is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, concern is an awareness that there's something important in your life that needs time, attention, and energy. God uses concern to motivate us to take positive action. In fact, Jesus, nowhere does Jesus say we shouldn't care. Jesus just says we shouldn't worry. So it's good to care about important things. Maybe the challenge some of us have is discerning what's important and what's not, what we ought to care about and what we should not care about. But beyond that, concern is a normal part of living this life. We all have responsibilities. We all have things that are important to us. And so we care about those things. That's not the same thing as worry. See, worry is different from concern. Worry is a destructive pattern of thought that takes place in the brain where fear gets a hold of your imagination. And as you think about the future and look at the present, you begin to deal in all kinds of worst case scenarios and you can't shut off that tendency to do this. In fact, worry is really the result of a neurological pathway that people have created in their brain. See, see, thoughts in the brain, physiologically speaking, are just electronic impulses from one uh, set of neurons to another. And if you think certain thoughts over and over and over again, if you meditate upon them and ruminate on them, you create uh, a neurological pathway. That's what they call it. And then that becomes a thought habit that you have. So worry is a negative thought habit. You've created a, a, a neurological pathway in your mind that automatically starts going to worst-case scenarios, thinking the worst about everything, imagining something terrible is going to happen, and it creates anxiety, distress, you're stewing over stuff. You're fretting over stuff. You're, a, you're negative about so many things. That's what happens. See, worry destroys our trust in God. That's why it's so deadly. That's why Jesus speaks against it. In fact, worry isn't the absence of faith. Worry is the opposite of faith. Worry says to God, I don't believe you can take care of me. I don't believe your promises that you will never leave me or forsake me. I don't think that you can work all things together for good. See, worry undermines the very work that God wants to do in us and through us. Our English word for worry comes from the German, Vorgen, which literally means to strangle or to choke. The Greek word that the Bible uses for worry and anxiety is the, the Greek word merimnio, which literally means to be divided in your mind or to be distracted or confused. And what Jesus is saying in today's Scripture lessons, He said, do you really want to go through your life strangled by worry, unable to experience the joy, the peace, the contentment that God has for you, divided in your mind and in your heart, distracted by so many things that you don't appreciate the power and presence of God in your life, and because of that, when you look ahead to the future, all you see is doom and gloom. In today's scripture lesson, Jesus points to two areas where worry often affects people, especially in the first century. Food and clothing. Food and clothing. Now, in our culture today, right, 21st century America, we got plenty of food. We got plenty of clothing. But back in the first century, there were, there were no 7-Elevens. There was not a McDonald's on every street corner. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have Costco. Got to feel sorry for them, don't you? Back in those days, uh, especially in the first century Palestine where Jesus ministered, 
Most people live by agriculture, subsistence farming. And so food supply was a big deal. Most folks only had enough food for a couple of days, and they always had to be thinking about, how do I get food for my family? What, what am I going to do day after tomorrow when the food runs out? So they're always thinking about that. And, and if you had a famine, or if you had diseases that affected the livestock, you could have food shortages, and that was a real concern of people. At the same time, clothing really wasn't about a fear of being naked. Clothing had to do in those days with status. Uh, in the first century, what you wore, how you wore it, said something about you. That was a very stratified society, and and uh, if you wore a certain kind of clothing, a certain uh, color to it, a certain style, certain material, it could say that, that you were wealthier and more successful than other people. Can you imagine a culture where people are obsessed with food and think about food all the time and have cable TV channels all devoted to food? And can you imagine people focus so much on clothing and what they're going to wear and how it's going to look and what people are going to think of them because they wear Look, I'm not poking fun at food and fashion. Well, I guess I kind of am. But I, there's nothing wrong with that. But what Jesus is saying, the things that preoccupy people's minds and their worries and their concerns sometimes aren't that important. Now, what Jesus is really focusing on is not food and clothing. What He's really focusing on is provision and status, which a lot of people worry about. Will I have enough? Will I be enough? See, last week, Pastor Mark Montgomery, when he, when he was talking about human fears, talked about two of our most basic fear, the fear of running out and the fear of falling short. And what Jesus is pointing to is our natural human tendency to be worried about provision and to be worried about our status. Will I have enough? Will I be enough? And what he's saying is... The reason you worry is because your focus is in the wrong place. Your focus should be on God. Seek first the kingdom of God, he says. See, when I understand who I am and who God is, then I realize provision is his responsibility and he can be trusted for it. The God who provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, he's going to provide for me and my family. He promises to do that. He's done it up till now. Doesn't mean I don't have responsibilities to to make sure that I'm paying attention to that. But but God is the ultimate provider. And in terms of status, my status is not found in where I fit in on the, the social strata, whether my house is a certain kind of house or my car is a certain kind of car or my clothing is a certain kind of clothing and what people think of me and say about me on Facebook. That's not where I get my sense of self-worth. Jesus says, aren't you of more value to God than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? My value comes in what God says about me and my relationship to God and what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. So you see what Jesus is pointing to here. Worry comes from a misplaced focus. When we fail to trust in God's provision and we fail to affirm our identity as His people. So how do we overcome worry? What do we do then to stop the natural human tendency to go to worry in our life? Lots of ways we could answer that, but let me just offer one simple suggestion that I think will make a huge difference. I know it makes a difference in my life. I think it will make a difference in your life if you're not already doing it. When you catch yourself starting to worry, commit yourself to turning worry into worship. Turn worry into worship. Say that with me. Turn worry into worship. Turn to the person next to you and say, turn worry into worship. Go ahead. Right. 
See, this is the key. This is the key. When we turn worry into worship, we focus our minds not on an uncertain future, but on a very certain God who has promised to love us and provide for us. See, uh, what we dwell on gets bigger. What we focus on gets stronger. And so when I worship, I'm recalling God's provision for me in the past and His promise to provide for me in the present and to the future. When I worship, I'm reminding myself that my worth is not found in what other people say about me. My worth is, is founded on what God says about me, what God has done for me through Jesus Christ, and who I am as a beloved child of God adopted into His family because of what Jesus has done. See, worship, when we sing, when we pray, when we reflect on Scripture, focuses the mind so that we start thinking God's thoughts after Him, as the Bible says. We start training the brain to think constructively about our past, present, and future, and to see all of that in the light of our faith and confidence in God's provision and our identity as His people. This is why it's so important that we gather on Sunday and do this. Because if you don't, worry will eat you for lunch. This is why it's so important to have a daily quiet time, to focus the mind. See, we're creating new neural pathways in the brain. We're training the brain to think differently about our circumstances and about our lives. And we become confident of God's ability and secure in our identity. People sometimes say, well, why should I go to worship? Is God so insecure that He needs me to come and tell Him how great He is? No, you need to worship because you need to be reminded in the presence of God of who He is and who you are because of Him. And that eliminates worry. So when you start to worry, turn worry into worship. It'll change the way you think. And it'll change the way you feel. And it'll change the way you act. And the flow of God's grace and goodness will come through you. There's an old story, maybe you've heard it, about the missionary pilot who was flying uh, medical supplies to a, a medical missionary in, in Ecuador. And uh, as he was flying his plane, uh, he noticed that the, the dashboard, the instruments on the dashboard were kind of acting funny, you know, pack, pack them and, and hit on them, and, and they still would be kind of weird. He didn't know what was going on. And then he looked down at his feet and he saw the problem. There was a rat that had gotten on board the plane, and the rat was gnawing at the wires uh, in the dashboard. So the quick-thinking pilot put on his oxygen mask and raised the plane to a new altitude. He climbed the plane up higher where the rat could not survive. Friends, the way you and I deal with worry, we climb up higher to a higher elevation of thought, a higher elevation of interpreting reality. We train the brain to go to a, a new altitude. This is why the Scripture says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. See, you and I all are faced in our lives with a fundamental decision about how we will go through life. Will I be a fretful worrier or will I be a faithful warrior? And we've all got to make that decision. And we make that decision with our minds. Will I be confident of God's ability and secure in my identity? Or will I start to focus on do I have enough? Will I be enough? And allow worry to creep in and rob me of my joy. Acts chapter 16 tells a fascinating story. The Apostle Paul and his, his ministry partner Silas, they, uh, 
they were in the town of Philippi and they, they got arrested for proclaiming the good news of Jesus. But uh, they weren't just arrested. They were taken to the city square, stripped naked, and flogged with whips. And then they were thrown in prison. Now it's midnight, and they're in a prison cell, bleeding, wounded, bruised, broken. What do you think they're doing in prison? Let me tell you what I'd be doing in prison. I'd be whining. I'd be worrying. I'd be shaking an angry fist at God. How could you let this happen to me? Why are you doing this to me? Here I am trying to preach, and this is what you're doing. You know what Paul and Silas were doing? They were worshiping. Read Acts 16. They were singing songs of praise to God. They were praying. And as they were worshiping, they're having a worship service in the middle of the night in a prison cell after being whipped and beaten. They're having a worship service. Is that your natural response to the challenges, struggles, and difficulties of life? To worship? That was theirs. And as they worshiped, it says in Acts 16, the place where they were worshiping was shaken like a violent earthquake. And the prison door popped open. See, worship opens the prison door of worry and allows us to walk out confident that God can and will provide secure in our identity as his people. Paul would later write to the Philippians and he would write these uh, well-known words. Let's, let's read these together. This is Philippians 4. Let's read this out loud together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Do not be worried about anything, but in everything, by prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But it will only do that when you think in the right way. When you train yourself through worship. To be a faithful warrior instead of a fretful worrier. To be confident in God's ability and secure in your identity. Medieval map makers used to make these maps of the world as they knew it. The world that had been explored and discovered. And, and they did a pretty good job, but they knew there was more out there that had not yet been discovered and mapped. And, and so what they would do to kind of recognize there was more than, than where the explorers had gone on the edges of the map after they'd drawn what they knew on the edges of the map they would draw pictures of dragons and they'd include this phrase there be dragons the idea is the unknown can be a pretty dangerous place who knows what's out there there's probably dragons out there it was a reflection of an ancient belief that the further you got away the more dangerous it was and Eventually, you get to a place where there were dragons. The church also made maps during medieval times, and Christian uh, map makers made similar maps, very similar in many ways, drawing what they knew, but on the edges of the map, it was a little bit different. Yes, there were pictures of dragons, but instead of the phrase, there be dragons, there were also pictures of Jesus and the angels. And there was this phrase instead, Christus Victor. Christ is victorious. It was the church's way of saying, yes, the future, the unknown, can be a dangerous and scary place if you let it be. But then you got to remember, you got to remember, Jesus has won the victory. And hasn't He? Jesus has defeated the dragon of sin and death by going to the cross, dying for our sin. We are no longer under guilt and condemnation. 
by rising from the dead, he, he overcame and defeated the dragon of eternal death and has given us instead the promise of eternal life when this life is through. Hey, friends, our future may be uncertain at some level, but at a whole nother level, it's very certain. God has provided for us an eternal home. As Paul says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Death is not the end. Death opens the door to a, a whole new beginning. I say this sometimes, but Christians, we really are better off dead. Right? That's the promise we have. God will provide an eternal home for us and we'll be clothed in righteousness, the Bible says. See, God provides what we need. We can be sure of our identity. Therefore, do not be worried about anything. Instead, replace worry with worship. Worry doesn't relieve tomorrow of its trouble. It just robs today of its strength. So climb to a higher altitude. You won't need to worry about rats or dragons. You'll have everything you'll need. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Because when you and I turn worry into worship, we quickly realize we have nothing to worry about. 